Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. As we've alluded to on our other shows, this offseason, our Crack Rackets team attempted to speak with every Power 5 men's and women's head coach employed throughout the college tennis world. We asked each of them about their team's respective 2021 seasons and what we should expect from them here in 2022. Of course, we also offered them a platform to share their thoughts on some of the big picture topics in college tennis. It is a fantastic series that our team is ecstatic to finally start sharing with the broader college tennis community over the next six weeks. Fans can expect no fewer than 10 episodes a week to be posted on this feed. A huge shout out to our friends at Tennis Point for their support with this series. Remember, go to tennis-point.com right now. Use that promo code CR15 to express your thanks. With all of that said, we're ready to get to today's episode. So Westoff, hit those credits. Let's start today's show. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Joining us on the podcast today is a man who has dedicated much, if not the majority, of his life to the college tennis world. You may know him as a cum laude graduate of Midwestern State. Of course, he was an all-conference performer there in 1999 and 2000. He then went on to coach the Ryder High School team to a whole bunch of success, so much so that he got the call-up to the Texas Tech program where he has served now entering year 14 as head coach. Please welcome to the show Texas Tech women's tennis head coach Todd Petty. Coach, welcome. How are you doing today? Doing good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I've uh, been a fan of yours and, and follow along and so excited to be a part of it. You're only a fan until you know me, Coach. Only a fan <laughs> until you know me. But I feel like it's always important to mention the bona fides for these coaches because something I've noticed in doing my research for all of these podcasts feels like the majority, I'll say 82% roughly, of coaches nowadays are former college tennis players. And I'm curious, just want to start there. How valuable is it to have had that playing experience while coaching these players? And just is that part of the allure of why you got into college coaching? I did, yeah. I mean, that you're exactly right. I, I started my career at uh, UT San Antonio for two years and then finished up at Midwestern State. And, uh, you know, I, I loved the college athletic scene and, and I loved everything about my experience in both places. And, and I had two just completely opposite coaches, um, both good in their own right. And so, 
you know, when I got out and, and, and G, GA'd at uh, Midwestern and took over the women's team and um, was doing that, I knew that was my passion. Unfortunately, GAs at the Division II level don't pay the bills. And so I ended up marrying my wife and kind of had to find a gig while I searched along. And that's when I went uh, to Ryder. But yeah, you're 100% right. The, my experience in college, I would not trade it for anything else and, and uh, learned a lot from both my coaches and knew I wanted to give back in that way. If you had to guess, what percentage of coaches graduated cum laude or better? Man. You know, that's, that's pretty uh, impressive. I, I'm not going to lie. And that they put it in the bio. Shout out to Texas Tech. Well, that 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 just surpassed my any of my athletic achievements. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, it was in uh, political science. So I'm not sure if that even counts. <laughs> <laughs> we have that in common as well. I uh, snuck in some poli sci while at Michigan. Yeah, it's it, you always like a class A that you can guarantee is going to start after 10 a.m. And B is discussion based because we're talkers that's what we do exactly and there's never a right or wrong answer (laughs) (laughs) exactly i knew we were going to get along this is already going exactly (laughs) as i planned and you know again i want to talk about what you guys did last season i want to talk about what you guys are hoping to accomplish this season down in lubbock but I do want to look first at your uh, 13 years at the helm because obviously you start in 2009. You have a team that goes 10 and 14, 4 and 7 in the Big 12. You finish tied for 7th in the conference. Here are the, you know, I don't have to tell you, but for our fans at home, here are the results since 2015 21 and 7, 25 and 6, 27 and 5, 23 and 7, 17 and 9. We're going to throw out 2020 because we can. Uh, and then 16 and 9 last season. Now that includes runs to a couple of Elite 8 bids. That includes, you know, uh, four NCAA Sweet 16s as well. Things are humming down at Texas Tech. And obviously, you know, again, not a traditional powerhouse tennis program, but between yourselves, between the men's program as well, which has had multiple top 25, top 10 finishes, and NCAA doubles finalist. What's clicking so well down in Lubbock? How have you been able to get this program now where it's, you know, humming and competing for conference titles year in, year out? You know, I, I, still, uh, I still something from Coach Beard, who we don't talk much about <laughs> here anymore now that he's a, a Longhorn, but, you know, he had a he had a saying that said the secret's in the dirt, right? Yeah. I mean, we're known here in West Texas for blowing dirt and the wind. Um, you know, I think it's just identity, man, to be honest with you. I think you, there's a group of kids out there that, that want to put their name on the board for the first time, that want to uh, achieve first and not just be in another, you know, list of line of all Americans and, and, you know, NCAA appearances and Sweet 16s, Elite 8s. And, that's kind of how we started it when we started the recruiting process, you know, back 13 years ago was trying to find the right kids and um, they're there. Um, you definitely have to work a little harder and, and, you know, sift through the weeds a little bit more to find the right kid, but you, you just got to make sure that they, they resemble West Texas, resemble Texas tech. And, and, you know, like you said, I mean, it's, it's the, probably if you look back in those years, we were the one that didn't fit the mold as in the blue blood of college tennis and, and trying to sneak up on people and, but there's kids that love that chip on their shoulder and want to do that. And it's just finding those kids and, and kind of activating that that soul and that uh, that heart and that passion and, and get them to play hard for the red and black. Mm-hmm. Now, success, of course, breeds success. That's another beardism, sure. and I just think that's an ism in general. Um, but <laughs> oh, we'll give him credit since why not? Um, obviously, it helps. Multiple lead eight appearances, multiple round of 16s, competing for conference titles. But, you know, according to our friends at Tennis Recruiting, and, you know, this will lead us to our 2021-2022 conversations, 
fourth highest rated recruiting class in 2019 third highest recruiting class in 2018 and you know multiple top 25 finishes top 15 finishes over the past decade it what is it about lubbock because i i was talking about this with coach whitehead and i interviewed him right before interviewing you and i do think it's one of the most underrated home home uh, venues in college tennis whether it's the altitude which is of course the most notable thing it's always going to catch a team or two off guard but You've got some rowdy fans down in Lubbock. You hear the anecdotes. You hear the stories. There just seems to be an investment. I don't know. Is Lubbock a tennis community? Is it just a college sports community? What What is working so on that community that you're able to bring in, you know, these outstanding recruiting classes? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think Texas Tech is, is its best filter. Um, sure. We always say that. Um I think uh, the kids that are coming here are coming here for the right reasons. Um, the other thing is I think it's so undervalued by perception, right? Like people don't come through Lubbock, Texas for any reason. It's not on a major interstate. It's not something you just drive through. There's no major junior tournaments here. So that all it is is perception is when you get them on campus, it, it just kind of blows them away of what they thought it was and what it actually is. And so it, it actually is a best sell, you know, as much negative – talk there may be about it we, we kind of like a bring it on because it lowers expectation and when they get here they're like wow this is this is not at all what i was expecting so i think that's a big part of it you know when you talk about the crowds i mean i think texas texas tech supports a winner i mean that's mm-hmm. just part of it i mean you know we we uh, have been to multiple um college world series in baseball you can't buy a ticket you know our basketball season tickets sell out you know we've had success on the tennis court and and they just you know, they, they love to follow a winner here at Texas Tech, and it is a college community, and it's bigger than your normal college town, you know. I mean, it's not a college station or a Stillwater where it's a little bit smaller, even mm-hmm. though they're passionate and their fan base too. We're almost 300,000 people here, so when you get a college town that size and there's really not much to do, you know, large city-wise outside of here, they go to the sporting events. And, and you know, and so, you know, I remember watching – David Roditi just losing his mind last year playing our men's team just because of the crowd. And it's, yeah. you know, it gets its, it gets its reputation and that's something we want to continue to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And the success helps as well. Now, see my theory, I call it the Crabtree bump. 2008 Crabtree catches that ball. Team beats Texas. Coach Petty comes the next year. You know, causation is not always correlation, but that seems pretty straightforward to me. It feels like this is the Crabtree bump. Yeah, there, that, there's something to be said for that. There's no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, yeah, I mean, hey, if you didn't use Graham Harrell on NCAA in 2008, you weren't winning. And as 13-year-old me, yeah, 13 year old me yes. thriving in those moments, absolutely <laughs> thriving. And so I'm forever indebted to the Red Raiders. But, of course, again, uh, for your team in particular, uh, you look at the success you guys have had, you know, since 2015 2013 if you want to go back i guess 2012 really when you have your first big 12 conference title you know that's year four for you as a head coach and that's the first year it's entirely your players right and it's entirely your culture and you feel like you've really sunk your teeth into the program what is the identity of this texas tech program you know it's year 14 for coach petty what do you hope your red raiders are out there displaying when they're competing day in day out yeah no i mean i think um you know, I grew up in West Texas, man. This is this is home to me. And um, my dad worked in the oil field, and we, he was a rancher. And you know, you you walk around here, and it, it's blue collar, it's cowboy, it's get your you know get your hands dirty. Um, we're not going to be walked over um, type teams, and that's and that's what I'm looking for. That's what we try to instill is just this 
blue collar will outwork you. We're, we're, we're working when you're not type mindset. And so we, we want a team that, you know, you know, respects everybody, lays down for nobody. Um, you know, we're, we're a tough out every time we walk on the court and, and we're going to, we're going to surprise some people. And um, that's the mantra that we've tried to keep, you know, since 2009, 10, whatever that was. And, and we try to keep that today. And, um, you know, some kids walk in with it. Some kids, it has to be taught. And, and I think those things can be taught and, and we're just kind of reinstilled that, but, you know, we're not a team that just turns over. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, and I, what I mean by that is, yeah, I mean, we had some elite eights and elites. That's this, that was one team. And that, and that was a team that was built for years to make those runs, but you don't all of a sudden have seven freshmen that are going to walk in the door <laughs> and just repeat that. We, we don't sign blue chips every time we're not signing top 50 ITF kids. So, you know, you're going to have to continue you know, wash and repeat and try to, uh, you know, redesign the wheel every, every four years. And that's what we're in the process of trying to do. Mm-hmm. No doubt about that. And that sort of leads us into our conversation about where the program's at, you know, coming off of last year, heading into this season, you look at what your team was able to accomplish last year, 16 and nine overall, I believe six and three in conference play. You guys end up making second round of the NCAA tournament before being knocked out uh, by UCLA. The big note for me, and again, you talk about building teams for the future. Last year's team was extraordinarily young. I want to say, what, six, seven freshmen on the roster, a couple of sophomores as well, and then one junior on your team in Caitlin Staines. I mean, not only do you have a young team, but you have a team, you know, a young team trying to deal with everything that the COVID protocols and everything that throws at you. So, I mean, to go 16-9 and with such a young group, was 2021 a success for the Raiders? I would say so. Yeah. I mean, I think we uh, probably um, played a little bit and, and had some results there that, that were probably a little bit above what maybe expectation was with such a young team. Um, but I also don't want to sell them short. They were an extremely talented, hardworking team. And and uh, so we had some results. And there were some results there that, you know, we'd like to have back that we thought we kind of gave away. But, you know, with COVID and everything like that, you're going to have some losses on the table. I mean, there was multiple times we were – um, playing walk-ons at five and six because kids were out with COVID or injuries, but every team had the same situation last year. Um, not, you know, besides the fact we're playing in the conference with the national champion UT and, you know, so there's going to be stuff like that, but um, yeah, I would say we had some really good wins, um, got on some really good roles and, 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 and I thought we beat a really good USD team in that first round. Someone I thought was absolutely um, a stud team last year and, and it's going to be this year too. Mm-hmm. I I imagine by year 13, and I say this respectfully, you're a little bit more jaded as a head coach just in general, and that's just a rule, period. But is it more fun, frustrating, middle ground, somewhere in between, coaching a team that young? Um, I would say more fun. Yeah, uh, I think more frustrating at a young age. Um, <laughs> I think more fun because you know where they are th- now, and, and you can kind of fortune tell where you think they're going to be in the sure. future. It's a blank slate, right? The, yeah. When you're going that, through that with them for the first time, you don't know what it's going to look like in the future. So you get frustrated in the moment and you got to have, but I think as you get older and, and coach longer, you have more perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt about that. And, you know, again, there are a bunch of standout performers for your team last season. I think the place we have to start uh, is with Margarita, who goes 19-2 and overall in singles, dual matches last year, 12-1 and at the number three singles position. And, of course, again, when you look at the youth of the roster, I believe she was one of your many talented freshmen in 2021. And just, again, a 19-2 and two start, I don't even think, you know, Talaba 
was that good as a freshman. Right. And so, you know, what did you see from her? What clicked so well in year one? Yeah, I mean, she she was a sophomore, so she was yeah. year two. But yeah, um, she, uh, you know, again, probably the best competitor on the team. Um, mm -hmm. Probably the toughest out. Variety in her game, can play multiple sty styles. Um, <clears throat> seemed to have a lot of luck with lefties. Talaba was an All-American lefty. Mm -hmm. That team that made Elite Eights had, I think, five lefties in the lineup. <laughs> You've got a type. Um, yeah, I got a type. I got a style. So <laughs> yeah. I, I wish someone would have taught her to serve lefty. She serves righty, plays lefty, so it's a little weird. Um, but we were yeah, getting probably... to it. I was going to say, that's – so, again, we can just start there. I mean, right away, you know the backhand's going to be money because you're like, yeah, you're serving sure. right. Yeah, and so <laughs> it's got to be fun and funky, right? And, yeah, you know, by the way, I said freshman. So I all the COVID stuff, second – technically, because she still yeah, got three years it. of eligibility, right? You got it. You yeah, got and it. so, again – did it? I mean, does it help to have the that three months in the fall of 2020? Is that what allows someone in their first full year of competition to make that sort of jump, or is it just again she's just one of those competitors? She's just special, honestly. Yeah. I think she's just special. I mean, she um, again, she she's fearless. I mean, she doesn't read the uniform, she doesn't read the numbers. She just is basically out there playing, and yeah, I mean, you know, just when you thought she was down and there were some really big wins on her racket that she didn't get to finish last year. I mean, she was up on UCLA and the NCAAs. Yeah. Uh, she was up on Texas in the, in the, during the conference season. I mean, she, she had some big wins on her racket that we just couldn't get there and finish for. But um, yeah, that kid is special and she's going to be special this year. I mean, she's playing at another level um, even this year from where she was last year had a, a couple really good matches down at all American kind of got unfortunate down in one, um, you know, mm -hmm. where she lost seven, six and a third, but mm -hmm. yeah, this kid is, is going to be good this year. Yeah, no, I, I mean, again, it's third year, but it's got sophomore jump written all over it. Like just, you can tell like the elite from going from very good to one of the elites in college tennis. But of course, what's so fascinating about the team is how many returners you have, right? She's not the only one yet. You bring back the whole crew uh, to come back and compete here this season. And so uh, I'm curious, what has the offseason looked like with that sort of continuity? And, you know, I, I know there were not too many restrictions on your team last year. You guys have done a really good job getting vaccinated, getting out on the court so that you can compete. Um, but to have everyone back and to have a team that experienced a decent amount of success in year number one, what again you talk about crafting these players from freshmen to their senior years what is year two year three of that process look like well i think you know year one you're basically setting your culture again sure. you're, you're just reestablishing culture and then when you have such a large group and it happened you know when i started i was fortunate but unfortunate is that my first year i had six spots to recruit mm -hmm. you know well that cycle just continues every four years so this <laughs> This new group that now were freshmen last year are basically that cycle. And so, you know, you're reteaching your culture first year. Um, you're, you're getting the playing together, purpose-driven things, you know, in the right spot. And then I think year two, three, and four, you're focusing on tennis. I mean, you're mm -hmm. focusing on development. You're focusing on getting better. You're focusing on adding pieces to their game. Um, you know, then you're adding confidence, you're adding belief and those type of things. I think culture comes first and then and then belief and confidence comes second. And so I think that's where we're at right now in year two is building that. I think if you looked at it, I mean, just matches last year, being able to beat Oklahoma State, know you on the road after losing to Tulsa, you know, down players. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that breeds confidence. You know, I think winning the doubles point in three first sets on Texas here at home 
that breeds confidence. You know, down there winning three first sets on UCLA, that breeds confidence. Now it's now it's putting that final piece together of finishing some of those matches or, or, or getting in the fight, um, those type of things. So I think that's what we're looking at this year. Um, obviously, maturity's there. Either you're going into your second year, and we added some we added some freshman pieces along with uh, you know some of this uh, growth and and maturity. And so this team is is going to be special. Um, you know, I think we're getting closer. It, it may I don't know how cl- much closer we'll get this year, but by junior and senior year, this team this team is going to be pretty nasty to compete against. Mm-hmm. No, there, there's no doubt about that. And again, uh, you look at some of the players uh, you bring back, some of the other performers I want to talk about. Uh, I want to talk about Lisa, uh, obviously, because for her last season, you know, took a bunch of different lumps at number one singles and the experience you can get just uh, from that uh, obviously w- was big for her, but now she's gone. And so you don't have her, you don't have your number two singles player as well on your lineup this season. Uh, you you know, again, that's a big void. When you lose one and two, that's always going to be an issue. And even with all of the returners you brought back this year, uh, obviously, given the success Margarita has, she seems ready to step up to that position. But just filling the top of your lineup, I, you know, is, is that something this team has been aware of in the offseason? And are they ready to have, you know, one or two players make that jump towards the top of college tennis and competing with, you know, the best, some of the best of the best in the nation in the Big 12? I think so, yeah. I mean, I, I think... Uh... You know, there's different ways to be competitive. Um, you know, I think we've always done it. If you look at our success in the past, it's been with depth. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, you're not just going out the door and picking up a Talaba every four years. <laughs> sure. I mean, that just doesn't happen. Um, but we try to do it with depth. And so um, that team, the teams that had the most success, we had the most depth. So, you know, from I think Margarita is ready to make that jump at number mm-hmm. one. I, I think by the end of the year last year, she probably was our best player. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think she's going to fill that role. But, yeah, it's going to take some kids to step up. But I think we have some some players that are ready to do that. Um, but I also think we just are going to rely a lot on our depth. I mean, from two to two to seven or eight, I think we're very similar. And, you know, that may mean some rough days up in the top of the lineup. But that probably means it's going to have some good days down at the bottom. So it, yeah. it's going to be a lot of four threes and, and scratch them out type matches. But, um, you know, that's what this team's equipped to do. No doubt about that. And again, she may be a fourth year in Olivia Pete, but that's your only junior on the roster here this season, or that's your only upperclassman, I suppose. That said, there are a couple of, you know, third year sophomores littered throughout the, the roster. Does this feel like an experienced team? I guess is what I'm asking. Has this team taken the lumps? Have they done all of the things necessary to now where, you know, again, I don't want to say raise the expectations, but where you can expect a little bit more from this group? You know, I, I do. And, and the reason I say that is because I think we're old at, in a leadership area. So sure. I think I think our leaders are old. Um, and, and so I think they've been around this three, maybe four years in a leadership role. And they and they're I always say the best teams are the one that's ran inside the locker room. Mm-hmm. And so I think this group is really ready to take that that charge. And I've seen that in the fall, um, the leadership role being taken inside the locker room instead of outside. And so you know, that tells me this team's ready to make a run, um, you know, and, and, and some of the pieces, man, you, you don't know. I mean, it was hard during COVID because you, you weren't able to get out and recruit. You weren't able, you know, I signed two international kids, I you know, mm-hmm. you didn't put eyes on. You're just seeing results, and they haven't played in a year. And, and so I was actually, you know, almost pleasantly surprised with a couple of the, the freshmen we brought in. I mean, Avelina Seifenanova, you know, has lost one match this year, um, this fall. Um, she already has some ranked wins. Um, that, that girl's a stud, uh, you know, 
Christina Tiglia um, is a stud out of Italy. I mean, you know, a former 500, 600 WTA player. Um, and then the real big piece is Kaylee Evans, who didn't get to play for us last year with an ankle injury, um, had a great summer of playing outstanding tennis. Um, I think she's a kid that's a, been a big time leader who's going to play in the middle to upper part of the lineup who's playing some of her best tennis. And, and there was a kid that was a blue chip kid coming out of high school who we thought we were going to have last year who we didn't. Um, so she's almost like an added piece, an added recruit, um, even though she was here last year and got to see it. So she got to sit on the sidelines and really observe and see a lot of things. And, and I think that's really helped. So, yeah, I mean, I think this team's ready to make a run. I, I You can't say we're young, we're young, we're young for three years, right? I mean, yeah. it's time to say we're old. Let's go get it. <laughs> yeah. No, no doubt about that. And again, uh, you know, uh, a couple other players we didn't talk about really, Mecca, Olivia, they're both uh, returners as well who had success in the bottom of the lineup. Sure. One thing, and I say this lovingly, if you're going to swear at me, this might be the moment, uh, that you might want to improve on from last year, and something I'm sure you're focused on is the doubles performance. And you look for your team last year, you know, 11-11 yeah. at 1, 12-6 at 2, 10-11 at 3, 500 balls, not, you know, 500 ball in the doubles point is just not going to get you to the NCAA round of 16. It's not going to get you to the quarterfinals, particularly with the depth we see now in women's college tennis has the doubles point been something you guys have honed in on here this off season? And, you know, again, I'm always curious, what does that look like? Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, that's two years in a row. We've sucked yeah. at the doubles point, to be <laughs> honest with you. I mean, yeah. it's bad. And, um, you know, and, it, and the thing about it, it's, you know, it's almost a dice roll at times and mm -hmm. it's almost, it's a confidence thing, right? I mean, it's not that we were bad doubles players or we just don't have a skill set that sets for doubles. That's just not, that's just not accurate. I think the fact is when you lose a couple, early on and, and and it becomes a thing then it continues just to be a thing right mm -hmm. you're like can we just win a doubles point can we just win a doubles point and <laughs> the crazy things about it when we you beat ut in the doubles i mean you mm -hmm. beat texas in the doubles point you beat san diego and then ncaa's in the doubles point you know so at, at times some of our toughest double competitors we've actually mm -hmm. found a way to win it's the other way but you're 100 percent right um if you're gonna if you're gonna win with depth then you got to have the doubles point um, because you may not have a sure thing up at the top. And so you're going to have to have the doubles point. It is something we, that we've made a point of, you know, a point of uh, consideration or I, I don't mm. know what the emphasis, is I suppose. Yeah. yeah, emphasis. Yeah. And so the, what I do like is that I feel like we found three teams early. Okay. So I think we have found our three teams early and that and that always helps because it, it's able to manage with consistency and you're getting reps together a lot more. I felt like last year we were, interchanging trying to find the combinations trying to find the combinations i think we have found that early and so we've been able to play a lot tournament and practice wise together and i think that's going to pay off i think you guys had 16 doubles pairings last season yeah, yeah that's, that's crazy yeah that's a big number that's up that's, there that's terrible coaching is what that is, <laughs> that is terrible coaching <laughs> oh, maybe or it's ex see i disagree it's better to experiment and fail than to do nothing and just continue to lose yeah, we, and i so refuse to live in purgatory on that yeah, we weren't we weren't gonna do the same thing <laughs> exactly no i love that and so you know again you talk about the depth i think that's a fascinating point because if you're, you know, when the bottom of the lineup, you're like, you're not going to beat us down there. Good luck finding four against us versus we have to go out and find four. I, you're right. That is that is the conundrum in college tennis. And I am curious because you were there prior to the rule change. How much of a Russian roulette is doubles at this point? One set, no ad scoring, fastest 40 minutes in college tennis. I think it's the best 40 minutes in all of tennis from a viewing perspective. But I cannot imagine it's fun to coach. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, it is, uh, it is, you're right. From a viewing perspective, it, it would be the most fun. I know when I'm sitting back watching college tennis, that's not my team. I agree. <laughs> um, I think it's, yeah, I think it's a ginormous crapshoot. Um, mm-hmm. and especially in the women's game, uh, just because the holding of serve is not, not yeah. as big as on the men's team. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you're looking at three Oh down very quickly. You're staring down the barrel of three Oh, um, you know, a, a lot of times if you don't come out ready to go. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's where confidence t- takes a big play. And, um, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, a lot of the focus, I mean, we do a lot of things and, uh, and put a lot of preparation on, you know, playing just a three. I mean, we'll, we'll put something on the line and play the first one to three in a set and, and just, mm-hmm. just to emphasize the start of a match, mm-hmm. um, in, in a double set. And so, um, yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's something that everybody deals with everybody's dealing with it. You know what I mean? The most confident team is gonna, is gonna win in that situation because they're starting from point one. And I'll tell you the other thing that's crazy and doesn't get enough mention. I don't think is the lack of warm up. Yeah. I mean, all of a sudden we're playing UCLA or whoever for the first time and i have they have no idea how this girl serves they don't know what's coming they don't want i mean they haven't hit a return you know mm-hmm. and so that's a that's a big part of it too would you keep the singles you know get rid of keep the singles warm up out of it we don't need that but get bring the doubles warm up back i would 100 mm-hmm. just personally. again just a look a little bit of everything I, i'm curious that's a, that i think that's a fascinating point yeah, I, I just think being able to see the serve, get a little bit of time mm-hmm. on the return, um, hit a few yourself. You know, I mean, there's that that gets a little bit of the nerves out. I know it's supposedly, you know, you meet, you you know, you you break it out, and then you're on the court and you're serving. Well, it doesn't really work that way. You know, yeah, what I mean, exactly. waiting on the balls, you're nervous, you're dancing around, you're making the call. They need to bring back. I mean, I don't care if you leave it to two and a half minutes. I mean, mm-hmm. I could care less if you're only serving and returning to, mm-hmm. to get started in the warm up. But I think that is a big piece of it. Yeah. No, that's fascinating. I, I, I'm adding that into my. Ro- I'm going to steal that. Just to be clear, okay. I am absolutely going to be stealing that from you and adding that to my rotation as I try to interview all these coaches because I do think that's a very interesting point. And it's like the opening two minute warm up is not the issue. It's the warm up after the doubles where you're like, didn't you guys just have a 10 minute break and like all these sure. different things? And that's the slowing of momentum. Don't love that. But I very much agree with that point. And yeah, there's always a little scouting in those first two minutes. Come on. Even at my right. level, it's like, oh, I know I'm going to your backhand. Like this is going right. to be. Ex- well, and there's such a difference, right? I mean, you don't. Mm-hmm. Does this girl have a kick serve? Does she not have a kick serve? I <laughs> exactly. mean, like 60, 60% of women's tennis doesn't own a kick serve and all yeah. of a sudden you play kid and she's you know hitting a short on the ad side a short kick serve you didn't even know she had it i mean come <laughs> on i mean that's not fair no you know completely agree with you i mean it's <laughs> no or you just got to watch more play site is what this is telling me i guess so yeah, yeah. that's again, bad coaching yeah <laughs> <laughs> a theme has emerged here. The problem yeah, is so. I see the record, so I know that's not the real theme. Um, but uh, no, I, I think all of that is completely fair. And again, uh, when you look at your team and uh, as you look towards this season, something I spoke with so many coaches about during the offseason was how valuable they found You know, the hidden duels that they were able to play last offseason because there weren't all these fall individual events. And as such, coaches were able to get creative. Part of that creativity was just scheduling shadow, you know, hidden duel after hidden duel and one of my favorite things listeners will get used to hearing this why is it hidden like just play it in front of us we can see the duel you don't have to hide it it's fine um <laughs> yeah. but yeah it's it's an interesting name but you know 
the team I keep pointing to, the Tennessee men. Like, everyone you talked to last offseason, they were like, we knew hidden duels, Tennessee men were outstanding. Like, what? what is um, – I'm curious for you, you know, again, fall this year kind of went back to normal, but do you like those hidden duels? Did you like the opportunity to play more team events last fall as opposed to perhaps the individuals you're usually playing in the fall? I do, yeah. I love them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's – I think that's – the biggest thing the most important thing we've we've already played one of them this year um we're playing a really big one um starting the season in january at the in san diego um we're playing a big one with stanford and kansas and usd and usc it's a really big one and um i think those things are yeah are, are ultra valuable i wish we did more of them you know what mm-hmm. i mean I, I wish every college event was that way outside of maybe the all-american and regional so i, I just think it's so valuable in that way and and really what are we here for i think we're here for the team and that's the most important side and if we can get those extra reps and extra looks and get that get that feeling more in the fall i think it just sets up for higher quality of tennis in the spring Mm -hmm. no doubt we had the chance to go this fall to tennessee and it was tennessee kentucky pepperdine and columbia and it was a columbia team that hadn't competed in like 18 months together and and you know howie was just like this. He was like, I only want to do this moving forward. I need to know what my team looks like when they're together sure. and just all these different things. And you can understand that because it's just – it's hard to keep that focus during the individual events, right? Because there's so many different players playing and so many different match times and everything. The hidden duel is the close. If, if, if the point of the fall is to prepare you for the spring, a hidden duel is probably the best mechanism to do that. There's – yeah, there's no doubt. No, 100%. Mm-hmm. You, you're accurate. Um, you know, I, 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 I guess – teams that are trying to build their ranking with their four and five player you know like an nc unc which i mean because they're super good and those type of things you see that but for the rest of us that you know i mean you know my five probably isn't going to make the ncaa tournament so Mm -hmm. you know i think a hidden duel is probably a lot higher quality for what we need than and than just a bunch of individuals you know you didn't realize that ali sanford's actually still in the top 20 just she'll permanently there yeah yeah Yeah, exactly just permanently there yeah exactly (laughs) let's be clear deservedly so but yeah no 100 if he's if if he's ever listening this calvis no, yeah. it's respect is why I'm talking about Yeah, of course. And, yeah, I mean, I've, I love Brian as well. He knows it's all from a place of love. But, of course, again, looking at your team here entering uh, 2022, uh, obviously you're in a Big 12 conference that features defending national champions in Texas that brings back pretty much the entire gang. I don't think Lulu's coming back. It's kind of unclear, but we'll see. But still – Plenty of that roster is back, uh, and they're going to be plenty talented. You had a Baylor team last year that pretty much ran the table in the Big 12 outside of losses to Texas, and they uh, have taken a step up, and you just know with the resources, the program in Waco, the men, the women, they are on the rise. Uh, obviously, there are you know 10 Big 12 teams, though, on the women's side, and if you look in recent history, Oklahoma State's made a run to an NCAA final, and you've had a really good Kansas team over the past couple of years emerge as well. I think what Coach Cohen's doing at Oklahoma, they're absolutely one to watch here this season. It's a deep Big 12 conference, and so I'm curious, you know, how you feel your team stacks up this year, how that sort of conference uh, prepares you for the bigger national battles come May. Right. Well, I would I would probably say, and this isn't coach speak. This is all. I mean, I'm being dead honest. I think every Big 12 team, I mean, Texas is Texas, so you know, but I think every Big 12 team is better this year than last year. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you look at what. Chris you know, over at Oklahoma State added, mm-hmm. Baylor added to an already good team, what Audra did at OU, 
obviously Kansas added a lot of big pieces, probably added a number one. I mean, she's a stud. I mean, the one that you didn't mention, but probably deserves being mentioned is Boomer Sy at Iowa state. Oh, of course. Makes the tournament for the first time upsets South Carolina goes four, three with NC state and it goes on to make a final. I mean, that's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to get my former assistants out of the league um, because <laughs> all they've been doing is kicking my ass lately. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, those guys, I mean, every every school is better than where it was last year. And that's that's awesome. I mean, that's what we want in this league. Um, you know, so, I mean, it's no knock. I mean, I, I think it's, you know, going to be super competitive. I mean, obviously, I think you still have your favorites. But, I mean, I think you're looking at, I mean, Kansas State's better. I mean, I think you could see legitimately – seven to eight big 12 teams make the NCAA tournament this year. Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely agree with that. And my counterpoint to you, and again, not the adjective, this is coach's last name, the petty coaching tree, it's looking pretty nice. It's expanding. The roots are starting to sink in. It's, it's getting it's, better. It's getting better, yeah. And and they all are doing a great job. And, and uh, unfortunately, I have to play them all the time. So, <laughs> you know, I think, you know, Rick Matera over at Utah has got it going to get it turned really quick and then obviously Hayden's doing a great job at Memphis and yeah you know the tree uh the tree's great I love to see those guys have success though it's so much fun it's you know when I've had a bad loss and I can go and watch them have a good win I mean honestly it it, it does make you happy when those type of situations happen unless that win is against me and then it's, <laughs> are you concerned they're going to steal your lefties I'm a little worried for you yeah they could they could I've seen them sniff around <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh no that's good and you're right i i should have mentioned iowa state because they were one of the feel-good stories of last season and so again we've set the scene we've talked about all the players i guess if there's any player we haven't mentioned who you think potential sneaky success this season on your roster uh this is the moment the platform is yours but i'm curious what are i don't want to say expectations because obviously that's always an arbitrary concept but you've seen this group how prepared are they to make another uh, jump forward here in 2022 yeah i mean I, I think i think they're ready to make a jump um what that looks like on paper what that looks like with a number beside your name you don't know i mean it's so hard to make a sweet 16 i mean it's it's hard to make an NCAA tournament much less a sweet 16 so you know last year making the second round does that mean if we don't make a sweet 16 then the year wasn't a success i, I don't think that would be accurate to say um but i do think you're going to see uh, a more consistent, a more consistent team. You know, I think where we had some losses that maybe we shouldn't have had last year, and then a big win, then a couple losses. I think I think this team will be a lot more consistent than last year's team, mm-hmm. which then makes it probably making that next jump. So, um, if I was going to say one player to look out for, I mean, I'm going to say two. Um, <laughs> I think Margarita stepping up from three to one um, this year possibly is going to be huge, mm-hmm. and then I would say look out um for kaylee evans i think she's she's ready to to get in the rankings and start making some noise so i think those are the two big names to look out for all right i'm going to circle them and i will be watching and again it's it's so clear what you guys are doing at texas tech it's the year in year out consistency uh that has been so impressive i do have some rapid fire questions for you down the home stretch just kind of jump around some of the broader topics in college tennis I want to start with the pro event you guys had in Lubbock a few weeks ago. I know it was a 15K, I believe, for the men. Uh, but I know that's something, obviously, you guys are planning to do for the women as well. And I know that's something you guys are just pursuing in general. How essential is it for these top programs now to have you know pro events on campus to not only offer those playing opportunities for your uh, for you know potential recruits and for your team members, but most importantly to 
be able to expose your team to high level pro tennis? I mean, I think it's, I mean, I think it's paramount. I mean, we've yeah. had a, we had a men and women event at the same time, 15 K we've had a women's event, I think now for maybe five or six years straight. Right. Yeah. I started as a 25 and 15. Um, I think it's huge. I mean, I think it's huge. I think it's great when multiple schools have them in a certain area. I mean, we love it when Oklahoma has one and Texas has one. And, you know, it allows our team to travel around, get some extra events in um, around their college events. So it's allowing them to play more, which I think is huge. I think it's huge to allow them to dip their toe in the in the pro area and, and, and kind of challenge himself. I mean, really, our pro event basically looked like an All-American. Yeah. I mean, it was I mean, it was basically that. I mean, every kid from. Ole Miss or Arkansas or OU or Florida. I mean, they were there. So, I mean, it was, it was a great, a great environment. Um, the other part is the recruiting piece, man. I mean, it's and not, not so much, not so much like to try to sell our school versus another school. I think the biggest piece is, is if we want to grow college tennis, we want to make it um, the, the, the best product, the most elite product, then we got to have the most elite players that we can possibly get here and so by having that i think you're able to draw some of the more elite players into college tennis which makes us a better product yeah no no doubt about that and with that in mind i'm giving this opportunity to every coach as i mentioned we're trying to interview all the power five men men's and women's head coaches i think i'm going to get all of them except for sam paul because he doesn't know he has a phone but that's a story for another <laughs> time um but uh I, i'm giving every coach this opportunity i know i'm putting them on the spot but give me the recruiting pitch why should I come down and play for the Texas Tech women's program? Well, I think I'd make a great four singles for you. But just, you know, other than that, that's my pitch to you. But I, I like hearing I've, the pitches. I've, well, I've got a four singles player. So if that's all you are, I'm not going to make a call. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, a good, that's good coaching from you. First good yeah. coaching decision of the pod. No, I think the biggest <laughs> thing is it's like, hey, um, this is – if you want to come and put your name on, on some things for the first time, if you really want to – to, to be relevant once your college tennis time is gone. Um, this is a place that has, um, I would say, current success, recent success. And so I think you, you're going to leave a legacy here. Um, I think if, if you're focused on tennis and, and development and consistency, I think you can look at the players that have come through here that were not blue chip, were not top 50 ITF players that have gone on to NCAA tournament bids, uh, All-Americans, Elite Eights. Um, and then turn on the TV. I mean, go watch Gabriela Talabish played every Grand Slam this year. That could be you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love that. And speaking of which, how helpful is it to have a Talaba out there having success and just, you know, again, the countless All-Americans, the big All-Big 12s? How helpful is that from, for the recruiting pitch standpoint? It's great. Yeah, I mean, it's good. I mean, I, again, it, I go back to the proofs in the dirt, right? I mean, she, yeah, didn't come, so. she didn't come as one of the biggest pros or, you know, she wasn't top 300 or 400 when she got here. I mean, it was something that she did. She put the effort in. She developed it. She never got distracted from her ultimate goal, which was to be an All-American um, and then go on and play on professional tour and to see her have that success. Um, it, you know, it takes a village. She's got some great coaches right now that are working with her in Dallas. Um, you know, obviously we, we like to feel like we had it. We played a role in that development as well. And, um, we still talk every week, probably every other day, just spoke to her the other day. And, um, yeah, she just, she's the most, mo- if there was a Texas tech kit, <laughs> that's a Texas tech kit. That is I the most blue collar gritty kid I've ever been around in my life. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and she's still that day, that way today. And so, I mean, if, I should. We should put her on the shirt instead of the Red Raiders. That's, that's what we resemble. <laughs> the Red Talabas. Who needs yeah, the, the Raiders? The Fighting Talabas. Yeah, so. I like that. When, <laughs> I, this is a stupid question. I acknowledge it. 
from the start, but when did you know? Were you like first year, month two with Gary? Were you like, she has it? Because I feel like there's a lot of times, I mean, maybe it's just because I've watched so much tennis nowadays, but you're just like, I mean, I remember watching Andre Styler's first match for my Wolverines and being like, he's got it. Like, he is going to be good in college tennis moving forward. When did you know? You know, this is a funny story. So, um, you know, we obviously knew she had talent. We were practicing. She came in January. Mm-hmm. Um, their ball striking ability was unbelievable. She had a heavier ball than any girl that I had seen in college tennis. I mean, it was her and DiLorenzo, right? Yeah. I mean, that was basically it. Um, so she came in January, and, and, and I like the old Rafael Nadal, Nadal story where he was young. <laughs> he was playing a huge tournament. His coach told him he had a certain volley every point, and he lost mm-hmm. 0-0 or something. And he said, I know you'll be a Grand Slam champion because you'll do what's asked of you, right? Yeah. So we're playing Wyoming in her first college match, and she's playing number three. And our indoor courts at the time had, like, about five feet from baseline to tarp, right? <laughs> sure. And she's fallen over about six times in the tarp, right, yeah. playing as far back as she can. And mm-hmm. I walked out there in whatever language I needed to to tell her to get up on the baseline. I didn't care about the result, and she went on to lose <laughs> to Wyoming in her first college match, playing mm-hmm. right on top of the baseline. And right then I knew, I was like, okay, she's going to do what it's going to take, right? Yeah. She's going to listen. And this was her first college match. She probably hadn't played a match on hard court mm-hmm. in five years, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so um, right then I, I felt like you knew you had a kid that was bought in. Mm-hmm. And and you knew she had the talent, but, you know, you just don't know. There's a lot of kids walking around here with talent. It's just you don't know if they're going to buy into to the coaching and what, and what needs to be done to get them there. And she was. And so probably that first match right there in a loss to Wyoming yeah. that I, I knew this kid's going to be special. Yeah, and then you're like, she doesn't lose ever again. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. You know, fast forward, and she's serving, she's serving in volley and indoors against Tarati three years yeah. later in like a 1-0 win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just exactly. Yeah, that's you love to see those sort of things and you know, I guess she wouldn't have particularly been able to benefit, but you know, something I, I talked about with Coach Whitehead as well, Lubbock is a very loyal community. It's very invested in their college athletes. As you mentioned, they like a winner. Um and Gabriella Talaba was a winner. And I'm curious, obviously, back then it wouldn't have been allowed, but now there are NIL rules and the decision that comes down that allows players to benefit off their image, off of their likeness, and obviously the rules surrounding international players right now are still so uncertain. We can do 10 minutes on immigration if you want, or we can save sure. that for the second podcast. Um, <laughs> but uh, I- I'm curious how you think NIL will play a role not only in college tennis as a pathway to the pros because the idea of a top junior coming and grabbing some cash before going out I don't think that's the worst idea in the world either but how it influences recruiting how it influences just the level of college tennis moving forward I think I mean yeah I mean like I said it's I I think we want to put the best product and get the best athletes here and I think you know, NIL is just going to fast forward that. I think, you know, as this grows, I mean, I think you, you this year probably you'll, you'll probably see as little tennis NIL than you ever will. I think mm-hmm. there's a trickle, <clears throat> a trickle down effect sure. that you're going to see happening over the next five years where it fully reaches these Olympic sports, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, Texas Tech has, I think, 18 sponsored varsity sports and 17 of them have an NIL bill. Yeah. So, I mean, it's 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 happening in every sport, and and I think it's going to play a huge role in the future. Yeah, I just did the math in my head. Seventeen out of eighteen is not bad. That's no, that's pretty, that's that's a, pretty good. So, someone's a good getting, success rate. Some, yeah, someone's getting paid. Yeah, so. exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so, no, I agree with you. And just again, I 
you know, this is a stupid theory, but they're going to hear. It's just like if you're an Ivy League school and you have the alums with the most disposable income, how do you not become a powerhouse? Like, I mean, it's not that simple, but it, it just feels like there are opportunities there for all these schools to benefit off of it. And it just feels like, again, sure. should be a, a long-term positive. I also think it does if you're a top junior and – you know, let's just say you have the opportunity. I'm, you're an American. Like, why not go to X school that can bring you in the big bucks and make that money as opposed to going and grinding on the futures for your first year, or grinding, you know, through, you know, seven months in Tunisia, which is just not that fun. Let's be clear. Right. And so I'm curious, does this help college tennis as a pathway to the pros as well? I think so. I think so. Mm-hmm. I think it back to your previous question, I think about how many you know, what's the helpful of having hosting these universities hosting these 15Ks? I mean, if you mm-hmm. think you can combine these schools hosting these 15Ks plus NIL deals, mm-hmm. you know, so they can continue to play on pros and getting money. I mean, I think that is, I think that's a huge way to do it. And then the question begs itself is which universe, which universities are probably in a, in a place to offer better NIL deals? Are they the big LA, you know, schools or, big city schools or are they the schools like texas a&m and texas tech or you know oklahoma state and these small you know passionate community fan bases where there isn't pro teams there isn't Mm -hmm. distractions and you are the pro athlete on campus so you know that's what we've seen a lot of success here you know not in our sport necessarily but in some of the bigger sports that's kind of outdoing some of these other schools and major cities because Mm -hmm. of that Mm-hmm. No, uh, absolutely. It, all it takes is, an, as you mentioned, a locked-in fan base. It takes one fan who's like, I love this program. I would like to support it. Um, sure. And it helps to have a, a community like Lubbock where there are multiple versions of the that fan existing across sports. And I am curious, you know, again, we have five years of players playing right now in, in college tennis. Typically, that's more than the four you see. <laughs> It, is the is the talent in college tennis better than it's ever been? The depth it takes, what it requires to be at the top of the game, is that a fair assessment? Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think this is as good as good of a product that's ever been put on the court for college tennis. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I think and I think it's adding parity. Honestly, I think you see some of these mid majors in schools that haven't consistently always been good um, getting better, right? Because mm-hmm. there's not as many scholarship opportunities up at some of these schools. I mean, they're holding on to the fifth year kids. And so these other kids are going to some of these schools that haven't been predominantly good where they probably would have ended up. And all of a sudden now you've got a little more parity and a little bit more um, consistency in, in teams, which just makes the, the product even better. Mm-hmm. No, I absolutely agree. It's what makes being a fan of the sport right now so much fun. Um, and yeah, I mean, North Carolina didn't win last year. Like, I still have not put my—not to keep beating on that bush, but I have not put like wrapped my head around it. I, I swear to God, you play that NCAA tournament a hundred times, we get, you know, 50 different results because there were that many teams with that much talent across the board. It, it really is that exciting. Rapid fire again here down the home stretch. Curious for you. More difficult or fun to watch matches as a player or as a coach versus as a player? I find it as a, as a third party watching matches is unbearable when you have a vested yeah. interest. Uh, Playing oh, it, it's not as bad. No, more difficult. No, no yeah. question. No question. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. You're just there's, like, get me out of this. Yes, exactly. There's a lot of that. Yeah, there's times where it's, yeah, I would much rather have been the player. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt about that. And I imagine it helps just as a former player relating to your player uh, players in general, just understanding the stresses of the college yeah. tennis season. Yeah, there's no doubt. Like the ups and downs, the 
you know, it, it, there's not one college player that walked in on day one in January of the spring season and was confident from day one till May, whatever the last college match. I mean, you're going to have your ups and downs. You're going to get bruised up, you know, mentally, you know, with your confidence and things and knowing that it's a, you know, it's a marathon for sure, you know? Um, and so, I mean, I think it plays a big role. I had, I had a lot more downs than I did up in my college career. So I know how to help them through those. Yeah. No, I like it. Absolutely. That's a win. It's a win. They'll take it. Yeah. But all right, rapid fire for you here. I think the coin toss is extraordinarily overrated. I just think we can do better as college tennis community. In lieu of the coin toss, one point, drop and hit, coach versus coach, start of the match, winner gets to pick You know, for on their team who serves first across the board. Yes or no? Do I get to – oh, it's drop and hit. Yeah, because you can't let anyone serve because then it's like, well, how do you determine who serves? I, I like it. I like it. Now, can we can – we, uh, you know, because some of us coaches are getting up in age. That's so what can I we hear. Designate, can we designate assistant versus assistant if you're over 50? <laughs> uh, if you have an AARP card, you don't have to play the point. I think that's fair. No, I, I like it. I, I like it. There's a lot of good players in the Big 12, a lot of Big 12 coaches that can still play. NCAA so champ Audra Cohen's going to be. That's what I'm saying. She's going to dust everyone. Like, <laughs> yeah. she, just Howie will be like, sorry, guys, I screwed you. Uh, yeah. yeah, just yes. Yeah, that's. No, I'm not playing her. Now, give me give me Chapman and Saya, though. I'll, I'll take those. <laughs> I love it. I love that. Exactly. And the fans. I just feel like the fans are automatically more engaged if you do yeah, that. Be, but... that, would be, that would be fun. I mean, mm-hmm. that would. I mean, it would allow the players to get on the coach a little bit, too, if you lose the coin toss for all of them. That's what I'm saying. All those fitness sessions are like, Coach, hop on the line. Yeah, you've like, got a point to play. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. Um, all right. Lawless lineups. Again, this is one of my stupider ideas. But to make home advantage more of a thing, away team has to give you, submit the lineup beforehand. Home team can do whatever they want. Lawless lineups, home team advantage. I like it. I like okay. it. I like yeah. this. I'm, okay. I think that's okay. I mean, yeah. I think that's okay. I think it's, uh, yeah, there's a reason. There's a reason that you're playing at home. You should get some advantages. That's what I'm saying. I, and it's just get the fans involved. Like, you want it to get Nobody would funky. want to go on the road, though, right? I mean, there's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's a lot of neutral sites. <laughs> yeah, that's the issue. Um, all right. Individuals versus team. I know this is more of a, a serious subject but individuals in the fall spring uh you know team in the spring the idea of playing the individuals at the u.s open is something that will always be a dream i think for college tennis fans and college tennis players but would you divide them or you keep them together you know it's that's a that's a big time topic right now yeah um, i i am not I, I may be in the minority on this i'm not against separating it mm-hmm. if if it is done in a way that allows the best 64 to get in the tournament. Mm-hmm. So as long as it's not, as it's not done in a way that you don't, you know, that you're not getting your best players. So if we wanted to have it in the fall, I'm totally for it. If you're using some of the last year's spring events and then adding some qualifying events and things like that, then I'm for it. But um, I don't want to, I would have to see how it's going to lay out before I would say, yes, I want to divide it. But I, I do, I do think it would give. I do think it would make the the team season even more thrilling. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think there is a role of that. Um, I, I do think it allows you to experiment with format in mm-hmm. the spring because now you're not worried about 
individual rankings at in the spring. So I think it allows it opens its door to be uh, very uh, interesting. And I also think it's another chance to get on TV in the fall with the individual championships. Absolutely. And it's just like, you know, it would be really nice for a lot of those teams during the NCAA home stretch a day off. And it's just like, right. hey, without the team, uh, the individual event looming in the background, maybe you can spread it out a little bit better and sure. just make things sure. a little bit more simple. Yeah. Um, at the same time, yeah, I'd say you have to play the spring before and then be eligible for the event in the fall, which, sorry, I'm commandeering part of Billie Jean King Stadium and I'm playing it at the U.S. Open. That's you that, know. that would be that would be uh, yeah, you're right. That would be what? a dream. After I'm appointed immigration czar, I'm going to be appointed tennis czar, and I'm just going mm-hmm. to fix that. You know, NIL first, tennis second. And it's just yeah, I think, quick we, bang I bang. think you've got to. I think we got to get you a job with the ITA. It's realistic. Uh, they, they, they can't afford <laughs> you, me. You um, may be a little controversial. <laughs> yeah, please. It, I mean, I love Tim. I, you know what? I have nothing bad to say. I'm when you have nice. Yeah, I, I love them all. I love them all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're broadcasting the national fall event this weekend. I have. I mean, I do only have positive things to say. So yes, agreed. Um, big fan. Ita. Let's go. Um, all yeah. right. After 15 months of Zoom. Most frustrating team member to be on the Zoom conference with? Mm. Oh, on my team? Yeah, on your team. Oh, Margarita Scribina, no doubt. <laughs> no doubt, because it's such a different time frame in Russia. Like, yeah. when we would have Zoom calls, it, I mean, I mean, give her credit, because it would be like four in the morning. Like, <laughs> she, would, she would get up and do it, but I mean, she would be under pillows and blankets and not even look back, so, and never would speak. Yeah, so, definitely her. That's good. I like that. Messiest locker in the locker room? Still Caitlin Stains. Um, <laughs> even though she, she she took a pretty bad injury, and, and that's a kid we hate to lose. She was one of my favorites of all time. But she still is around and hangs out. It's still Caitlin Stains' locker, for sure. Yeah, it's the last name. It's fitting. Yeah. It all makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> They're everywhere. I like to hear it. Well, uh, again, Coach, my, my final question for you, and I'm trying to ask this to everyone – Fans watching Texas Tech this season, what do you want their takeaway to be? What do you hope they see from your team? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I want the. Uh, I actually tell my team this: if anybody, I don't care if it's 150 or 550 or one person out there watching our team, when they leave, whether we win or lose, I want that fan to say that was the most competitive team. Whether they won or lost, that team gave more. That team was more competitive. So, I mean, I think that's what I would want our fans to say about us. Awesome. Well, I think if they've watched Texas Tech over the past decade and throughout your coaching tenure, that is what they would say. And I didn't mention this at the top, but winning as coach in Texas Tech history, that's got to feel pretty good, right? Like that's, <laughs> uh, That certainly doesn't feel bad. Yeah, well, you know, you're at a place long enough, you're going to collect them. So <laughs> I think my, my volunteer told me the other day, he said, yeah, you got so many wins. And then he said, you also have about a hundred and something loss. I said, I have a hundred losses. <laughs> like, That's awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was like that just, that I don't care about the wins. That, that hurts the soul when you have a yeah. hundred losses. It's a lot. It is. <laughs> You're like, yeah, no, I was thinking, cause there are like some pro players, like, and that Conteve's twenty six and two or whatever in the last three months. Am I twenty six and two in my last twenty eight showers? And I'm like, no. <laughs> like, there's at least four of them I'd like back. Like, where right. I, I could have scrubbed a little better, whatever it may yeah, be. Exactly. And just like, it's just, it's remarkable what some of these people are able to do, and it really is remarkable what you guys have been able to do down at Texas Tech. So, Coach, thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. Wishing you and your team safety, health, and of course, spot always open for you on this show. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, of course. Take care.